1: And I think this will be valuable, a good conversation to have for anybody that's evaluating their own pack of dogs, or they're trying to find dogs to add to their pack, or maybe they're getting started and they just need a good place to get started. So, uh, I would, I would really like to talk about that portion of your journey back to Africa and how you evaluated dogs and them back together as a working pack that had good success through the hunting season
0: yeah so um the first starting place we we need to see is how much drive that individual dog has so mm-hmm. i'm almost looking if if i was to take this one hound on his own without any other system how how successful would he be on a track start to finish so that's uh i would i would look at each individual dog in my sense in this particular a, a, a situation, I wanted dogs that could each individually do it on their own, or mm-hmm. as close to it as possible, and then seeing at which interval each individual dog would come up short.
1: The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made, high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. Hey folks, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Powell, and my guest this week is Gavin Lippius. Gavin is a professional hunter in Africa. He's a leopard hunter. He's an extreme performance houndsman for sure. And here's, here's the topic that we're really going to focus on. If you got wiped out today as a houndsman, how would you rebuild your pack? That's exactly what Gavin had to do. He had to take about three years off from hunting in Africa. He lost all his resources and his hounds, and we're going to take a deep dive on his process of rebuilding a pack that actually puts food on his table. He's a professional hunter, so he's got to be able to have a pack of dogs that can perform for clients, and we're going to take a deep dive into that and look at all of the things that he's looking for to build that pack, because he's done it. He just did it. And it's a great great episode for anyone looking to add hounds to their pack before hunting season starts if you're just a a beginner and you're trying to find those dogs we talk about how to evaluate dogs and what you shouldn't have in your pack i even reveal some secrets about my current situation and um, gavin is the type of person that's going to be pretty honest with you and he was honest with me about You know, maybe some things that I need to change on my end as well. That's what I love about this podcast. We're all in it together. We can all learn together, we can all improve together. This one's a box shaker, folks. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. I've got so much to talk to you about, Gavin.
0: Yeah, man grateful that um that we're able to have the conversation on these platforms because there's lots to share uh the uh, the ability to get some messages out and who knows where they're gonna land might land in the right place so thanks
1: yeah yeah well for our audience let's just fill our audience in on where you've been
0: you know gavin
1: gavin has been on the podcast a few times when he was in uh hound dog purgatory over in Australia and, uh, couldn't get back to the, to the, his homelands and where his heart really is for hunting anyway. I know it's not there for family, but for, uh, for hunting, you weren't allowed to, you weren't able to get back to, uh, Africa to hunt leopard, which I'm glad you got back because now we've got more to talk about.
0: It was, it was exactly like that, it was um, being imprisoned while while the continent that I'm currently on is um, very interesting and diverse. uh, It's not nearly the same place if you want to run hounds um, as it is uh, in Africa. So yeah, no no comparison. Yes, with the lifting of COVID and the return of the world to a little bit of normality and uh, the ability for people to travel for their, their, their hunting passion. The industry is, um, revived a little bit and, uh, we've sort of back into, into the full stream of things again. So the, uh, from a business perspective, it makes sense again. So there's a, there's a model that's, um, it's, uh, profitable and feasible and, uh, there's some money too happy for all of that. But.
1: So where all were you hunting? Let's talk, let's, let's go there first. Let's talk about the exact, the, the areas that you were hunting and and what that terrain looks like, and we'll just kind of go from there, Gavin, because I'm curious myself.
0: All right, so we operate predominantly in Mozambique, and the reason why we operate in Mozambique mainly is that it's massive wild areas, big, big tracts of land. So these are areas that are for any sense and purpose have no boundary, effectively. I mean, we're talking uh, blocks that are. A single block the one that we operate in is 500,000 acres the neighboring block that we operate in as well it's 800,000 acres uh, another op- place we operate on the coast that's um, 240,000 acres so for a, a hound hunter you can understand that there's just you just never have to stop the dogs you are know, effectively never getting to a point where you have to pull the dogs off you know on a track or on a chase and that can happen in some of the neighbouring areas where we're allowed to hunt um, uh, a leopard with hounds. So, um, the neighbouring country of Zimbabwe, typically, you're only allowed to hunt that uh, those areas on um, community lands, on uh, reclaimed cattle ranching lands that are now being used for for a game industry, for game uh, game hunting. Mm-hmm. And the same in Botswana, not not entirely. Some of those areas are slightly bigger, but for Mozambique it's just these massive areas and and just we can run freely. There's no legislation that prohibits us from hunting in any sense and form. Um and also I'm a licensed professional hunter for the country of Mozambique. So these are the the factors that bring us to that country. Um so sounds yes, like a, hunting in Mozambique predominantly we hunt very close.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, it sounds like a houndsman's paradise. When yeah. you, when you get right down to it, that's one of the biggest things here that we face in the United States is just the loss of areas. And then the areas we do have, I was just talking to Keith Hyatt this morning about the, uh, Washington Jefferson national forest in Virginia. I mean, it's huge. It's a million acres, but it's also dotted with private property. And that causes some issues and it's very spread out. So it's not a million acres contiguous, you know, where it's all connected. So you've got to, you've got to yeah. dance around the yeah. edges there.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, these are, these are the, the things like all the houndsmen would know. We, we don't want to have a boundary anyway. You know, if they hit the dogs are heading in a direction. Just need to let them go. The only reason why you want to stop them is if they you know chasing the wrong thing, but otherwise they must go. And um it can be frustrating when you get to borders, that's for sure. mm
1: mm-hmm. Yep. So just you talk about stopping hounds. It seems like did you have any uh it's been a while. What was it, two years before since you were in Africa prior to this year
0: no actually no actually a little bit longer than that Um, so just over three years three
1: years so what kind of work did you have to do before you could have clients in camp for a safari
0: you know it was very difficult because a lot of the material that I have is aged Um, and uh, as you know if it's If it's not current, it's just, it's not happening. You know, people have have questions. And so I'm fortunate that there were some some, um, some, some hunters that put their faith and their trust in me and uh, put that hard earned dollar and chipped it into my account and allowed us to to go ahead. We had wonderful success. So it paid off for everybody. But um, yes, that was was not simple. because you know people ask questions, so how did you do last year? Well, then you have to, yeah, you, know, you have to uh, reveal that last year I was sitting behind a desk in Australia. So, right. And in terms of being able to have a pack of hounds, you know, an operational—that's what of I was hounds,
1: getting at. How did you? Yeah, how that, did you set out for three years, and then yeah. you had to be breaking hounds off a of kudu and impala and whatever else? What other? other critters you've got to run over there
0: no no not at all actually the um the the youngest town in the pack was four years old and the oldest down in the pack was eight years old so what i did is um when i arrived in april i went around and i collected hounds i purchased several and uh, then had to go through a screening process and a training process which we did um for several weeks of just trying to make sure certain that we can piece a pack together here um and it's uh it's a funny thing it came to mind how you get those movies where there's this coach he 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 pulls together you know the 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 young rookie who's got this massive amount of talent but nobody wants to give him a shot because he's Speaks a foreign language or something. You know those movies, right. and then there's the and there's the old retiree who who's got this excellent pitching arm or something. But uh, on paper, his age is just too old and that. But he's still, you know what I mean. So <laughs> yeah. you get those movies. <laughs> so that's sort of how I saw myself as this coach piecing together this um, pack of misfits, this uh, this band, <laughs> and. And it came together really. It really came together, and the, the ability to do that was was identifying the different individual strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. um, handling each dog as as it needed to be used or or, 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 or entered into the race. Um, it was, yeah, it, it it was it was very interesting. It was challenging. But once we knew exactly how each piece needed to be moved, and we did it in that order, and in that interval, it was a dream, man. It was a dream. The, well, the, corner, the corner point, that I mean, the, the anchor post to all of this was um, that I was able to get um, a couple of really, really good dogs from the late Trevor Fulmer. Um, Trevor Filmer, is uh he's he's renowned in South Southern Africa, I would say. As a very, very quality, high standard houndsman. Um and uh he's passed just sure, six months ago or so. Hmm. And um I was able to purchase two really good hounds from him. So that does make make the big difference. Neither of those two hounds were hounds that he necessarily wanted to hold on to either so it's not everybody knows you're never going to buy anybody's best dog but um, they were still really good sturdy broken experienced dogs that each had their own little um you know their little quirk and that quirk was something that um that uh, that he wasn't interested in, in in pursuing with any longer but um but for me i was able to work around that
1: Well, that is, uh, that's what I was really getting at, uh, as far as some of the challenges is no, nobody wants to sell their good dogs. I mean, if it's hard, it's hard to buy, walk, walk in and buy, uh, you can, if you've got enough, if you've got the money, but even at that, sometimes people are still not going to sell their best dogs and because that's what we love to do. And then I look at what you're trying to do and what's going on over there in Africa with, with, uh, uh, leopard hunting and such, uh, you'd be taking a lot of potential income away from somebody by buying their best dog. Besides the fact that they just, nobody wants to go out and, and hunt or hunt junk. So I'm going to hang on to my good stuff.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's, um, a handful of people in the whole of southern Africa that are doing this there's not a there's not a thousand doors you can knock on even if you did have wads of cash to go throw down and manipulate the the negotiations mm-hmm. yeah um and again you know it's also it, it, it's it's a model you you can only invest x amount into that portion of of your tools you know and uh right um I mean if there was availability of a whole lot of cash just to just to sway the sway it in your favor, it's still <laughs> you know, it's not it's not that's not the place you'd be investing it. So no, it's um it was really just a matter of of getting in getting into the right country and putting putting the hounds on track after track after track and and having numerous failures in the beginning and slowly tweaking it and changing it and turning it and getting an idea of um, how are we going to succeed until finally we did? And then you know, we, we went through quite a few dogs and we wound up with six,
1: six. That's, that was going to be my next question is you found, you came up with six hounds. that were solid. How many hounds total did you go through to find those six?
0: Sheesh, Chris, that's, um, um, I never actually counted. I eh? I would say we probably went through at least double that. I would say at least double that. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. And okay, so let's talk about your evaluation process because when, when I was a canine handler and you're doing selection for dogs that you want to bring in for training, you know, we had a list of things that we wanted to see and we would evaluate different traits, uh, for that. So what did your evaluation system look like Good conversation to have? for anybody that's evaluating their own pack of dogs, or they're trying to find dogs to add to their pack, or maybe they're getting started and they just need a good place to get started. So, uh, I would, I would really like to talk about that portion of your journey back to Africa and how, how you evaluated dogs and put them back together as a working pack that had good success
0: through the hunting season. Yeah, so um, the first starting place we we need to see is how much drive that individual dog has. So mm-hmm. I'm almost looking if if I was to take this one hound on his own without any other assistance, how how successful would he be on a track start to finish? So that's how I would I would look at each individual dog. In my sense, in this particular uh, uh, um, situation, I wanted dogs that could each individually do it on their own Mm -hmm. or as close to it as possible. And then seeing at which interval each individual dog would come up short. So for instance, we had a hound that was just very, very uh, uh, vocal. So effectively, a liar, and he would um, he would call en route over to another hound that was maybe j- visually indicating that they was scent, just flagging his tail and 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 his body language was that there was scent, mm-hmm. and, and if this other dog was across the park and he saw that it potentially well, he would call all the way across there. So he's lying. Yeah, other dogs off we um, call it we call that so... ba-
1: we call that babbling here in the states you know a babbling yes. hound you know i've seen those dogs that that they just vocalize as soon as they get excited and they can really uh distract a lot of other dogs especially if you're um uh, trying to build that cohesiveness in a pack i'd like to back up a little bit you said drive was the number one thing and and i would like to get your definition of drive we hear we heard these terms a lot but for you as a houndsman what do you see as drive how do you identify it and how do you how do you evaluate it
0: so defining it drive is that a single purpose in that own hounds mind is to hunt the single purpose is is predominant reason for living, his purpose Mm -hmm. is is to go out and hunt. How do you identify it? Well, after spending three or four days up in the hills when their bodies are sore, their feet are sore, they have not they've lost condition, they they're not in a prime state, and the next morning they're still whining to want to go out and hunt. Mm -hmm. Let's drive. Right. Yeah. The ones that are are happy to stay behind and, and lie around. It's not enough drive, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's a, you know, a debilitating injury or something. But well, uh, so nothing so nothing else in their world but wanting to hunt.
1: Yeah, is there anything that I'm trying to trying to really peel back the layers on this? Because most of the time, like when you were when you first got back to Africa, you're going around and you're trying to collect these dogs, and obviously that you want to not come back and have to sort through 20 or 30 dogs you know you want to cut that number down on a on an initial evaluation similar to what i would do here in the states if i was going to evaluate a a young dog or an older dog uh, for a bear pack and you pull on a guy's driveway and are there was there anything that you did initially certain behaviors that you looked for when you first saw the dog your first contact with the dog to know that this dog may have the drive that i'm looking for uh before i go out and spend three or four days in the hills with him to find out he's not what i'm
0: looking for um no there's no real way of me being able to answer that question i understand what what, what you would like to get it but um I just wasn't in the position where I could sort of walk in and have a look up and down and say, uh, he's built like this and he moves like that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. really a lot of it was on Testament from the people that I was taking down from, and the only final result is actually hunting with the dog yourself, I I got it. Yeah. uh, there wasn't really, I don't have any other trick apart from actually getting him out there and, and personally evaluating. And i think that might be um might be uh um to say that we have different individual um, viewpoints on hounds and we also have personal um biases and that so there's certain things in hounds that i really do not like and there's certain things that i really do but that doesn't necessarily mean that my colleague standing next to me is seeing the same or admiring the same picture, mm-hmm. so I think there's a personal portion of this where where you match with that hound. Or there's many different types, but you match with it, and it matches with you, and you'll probably have great success that way. Um, instead of you know we. And this is a great example here, Racha, right is that um, uh, 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 colleagues of ours that we work very closely with. Um, uh, they they offered up two of their really good dogs just to assist with some of the training. So they put forward two really good dogs, which is which is um a, a very generous, you know, mm-hmm. assistance. Yeah. Because there's risk every time, there's huge risk. So they they, they 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 so um you know they were so engaged in us having success that they were prepared to risk alongside with us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the one of those hounds was probably, you know, in their top three in their pack. That was one of their three best dogs in their pack. But I sent him back after two days. And not because there's any fault with the hound, but because there's no connection between me and him. Just everything, how he operated, everything he did just didn't work for me. And I felt that I would have better success without him there. Mm-hmm. And, and I sent him back And and he's an excellent hound, uh, it's an excellent because yeah. he's proved himself in that back. But for me, it just, um, I just, it, I just disliked just everything about the way that the dog hunted. So, um, <clears throat> so yes, there's that personal thing. And I think unless you're hunting them yourself,
1: I, I uh, agree with you on the personal, I've got to have a relationship with the dog. There's got to be something that appeals to me with the dog. I don't, I've even brought, uh, some dogs back here that were from my own breeding that people really liked and tried to hunt them and evaluate them. But there was just something about them that I didn't like. And once they get on that list, then it's hard for them to get off the list, you know, (laughs) and it could be yeah, personality exactly. things. It, it could be kennel manners. It can be, um, I mean, I guess I'm too daggone picky Gavin. Cause I know that looks don't, don't catch game, but if I like looking at a hound, I feel like I can look at a hound and see intelligence by the way they look, the way they move, you know, things like that. And there's just, once a dog gets on my bad side, it's hard for me to overcome that. And I can, I can be a lot more patient. I think we all give dogs a lot more chances when we actually like the dog. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And, and uh, yes, I'm in the same boat as you where looks shouldn't mean anything. They shouldn't. But, but to me, I also like, I like to be looking at that dog. I, I do too. A Funny thing. And, and, and I can find, um, You know, if the dog's really good, I can find aspects that, that you know, visually that, uh, I mean, he's good in this area, he's good in that area, but it's, um, I'm definitely more biased if the dog is built right, at least to my, you know, to my aspect from my my point of view.
1: Uh, My buddy, I've got a buddy of mine. Uh, here locally, I've worked with him and hunted with him for years on, worked with him on different projects, but you might've heard me mention Jerry mall. He's been on the podcast a few times, but Jerry always says, if you're going to hunt one, you might as well, you might as well hunt one. That's a good looking dog too. You know, you know, yeah. it, it, it takes just as much to, to, to hunt a good looking one as it does an ugly one. That's for sure. But I I know looks don't do a thing for me, you know, for catching game. And I've seen, they all get a lot prettier when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, Mm -hmm. and they're standing under a bear or a leopard or a coon or a mountain lion. They all get a lot prettier, but, uh, man, I like, I liked a good looking dog and there's no sense in feeding an ugly one. (laughs) They make me look better too
0: you need all the help you can get Chris.
1: oh there you go we're gonna stay <laughs> you're right <laughs> you got that right uh all right so oh, so, so we uh we've we've identified the drive now you've got you've you've found those dogs you see that they've got drive let's go to the next layer of your evaluation after it's like okay this dog's not going to give up he's got the drive that i can work with
0: yeah yeah well that's that's your foundation now you Mm -hmm. start to look at all the different quirks or at least in in this sense you know in this this um this journey out just on you look at the different quirks and you see how is that where what is that quirk gonna lead to you know or several not just one is in and in And and what eventuality is that going to um, inhibit your success? Is it going to ruin the hunt? Is it going to mix up the rest of the pack and that? Um, And then looking at each of those, identifying them, um, and then coming up with the way around it. How are we going to work around this? And it's also very interesting because these are not, Um, mechanical devices that you can just sort of go in and do a little bit of reprogramming and rewiring, especially when you are in a mature five, six year old dog. That's how it is. That's how it is. So you Mm -hmm. have to mold, you have to mold your expectations, you have to mold your um, style, you have to mold your tactic. Um, And, and the hounds themselves, you know, are molding around that as well. And the pack itself, is changing and developing constantly on each hunt
1: hey folks this is a great opportunity to tell you about a product i'm using right now that i've just flat got addicted to and that is on x i'm in northern new mexico right now as you're listening to this podcast and we've been chasing bears i came out here a few days early took the opportunity to to ride the ranch here mark the trails mark water sources food sources bear sign all of that sort of stuff and it helped me get to know this ranch. When a bear is started at the bottom and he's coming to the top, I don't have to try to find a trail. I've already got it mapped through the app. I mean, it's so easy. It's right there on your phone that you got with you all the time anyway. I want to tell you also a true story. And this happened this morning when we were running a bear. The hounds were taking a track from the bottom of the canyon. They were going up through some rocky, ledgy country there, and they were headed towards the top of the mesa. I flipped open my Onyx and boom, I know right where my trails are to get up there if I need to pack them up, if I need to you know, just get to the top of the mesa in a hurry. I already knew where that was because I'd already mapped it. I'd already laid my track from my buggy and was able to see where all the trails were coming out of this country. Also, the other part of the story is I couldn't actually get my handheld tracking device to orient properly and tell me exactly where the hounds were so by opening up on I had an idea the country they were in i could see all the terrain features super handy you can get their elite package by going to our website going to houndsmanxp.com go to our partners page click on the on x icon and go to their website and you will pick up 20% off of your elite subscription when you use the code HXP20 It's that easy folks Know where you stand with Onyx
0: You know there's that there's that perfect playbook where it goes from discovery of the track, putting the dogs down, they trail it, um, then they chase it and then they tree it or they bay it, whatever, and there's sort of that you know, that's very simplified, but there's that playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're just going to hold to that and expect the dogs to um, find that memo, read it, and comply, <laughs> it's also not going to work. Right. It, it, you actually have to then mold and change, and it can happen on the spot. And um,
1: well, it's like, it's like, surprise
0: my... you as well.
1: It's like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face, you know, and then you got to figure out another plan, you know, Exactly. so, yeah, yeah, there's just certain things that I, when I hear you talk, I think about how similar this could be to, uh, you know, putting together a championship sports team, you know, that has several players on the field whether it be rugby, uh, soccer, American football, baseball, whatever it is, you've got to have all these different parts that come together to make a good team and you're the coach or, and the manager and the owner and all of it together, you're trying to do all this job and bring all these talents together. Cause if you've got one player that's not a team player, he can wreck the whole thing, or you've got a, you've got a weak link. He may be, he may be an all-star but he just cannot play as a team, then you lose your effectiveness. It's harder for them to rise, to match somebody else's performance, but it's easy to go down and match somebody's mediocre performance. If that makes sense, you know, you, you always play down to your weakness is, is the natural thing. And and I've seen that in dog packs as well. I've had dog packs like that before where, um, you know, I've got a weak link. Or I've got a dog that's uh, maybe not have the stick or the coward or, or a stick or the, and he's a little bit of a coward. And then all of a sudden you've got other dogs that are dropping out of the race and you're leaving your all-star out there by himself.
0: Yeah. Now there's, there's, um, there's many factors around this. And I think this is what makes, this is what makes a very high quality pack in the end of the day is somebody who is just smoothing off those edges season after season after season hunting the same hounds with very little change maybe adding in one or two here or there but they're just smoothing it off year Mm -hmm. after year after year and obviously you know dogs have a very short lifespan so this is this is not um but once you're breeding yourself and you're replacing those genetics um you're almost replacing the same individual in a sense so you may lose that old dog but his son or 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 grandson or granddaughter whatever's coming through with very very similar traits very similar style and fills that same sort of um, pigeonhole in your pack. i think that is that is where that is the heart of the sport is is being able to get to a place where your kennels actually represents a very, very high quality of of hunting hound. And in France, the way that they determine or they rate a good pack is they say that you cut off the head and you cut off the tail. Mm -hmm. And then what remains is the quality of your pack. So you gotta drop your lead star and you gotta drop your weakest link. Let's say your pack is eight. And the six that remains, how good is that? Hmm. And, um, yeah, so so we, you know, this past season, I never had the fortune of that. And I don't, I think I ever will um, be in a position to be able to be um, breeding and, 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 and refining the pack like that. So we mm-hmm. just have to work harder. We have to work harder. We have to work smarter. And we have to, you know, think on our feet. We have to, we, we, we. we 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 have a huge amount of trust in the dogs but we're also very realistic in what to expect from each one and the group as a total um so it's a lot more of moving the boards pieces on the board and moving them quickly if we need to
1: yeah i think what you did was uh you know in your in your situation there gavin was you know it's obviously not something that that somebody can just wake up one day and say I'm going to become a professional leopard hunter in Africa, and I'm going to go to Africa and find some hounds and put them together with no experience. So how do, how do people, how do people get to that point to be able to do that, to be able to see those traits and I always call them intrinsic values. You know, it's not an original term by any means, but you know, being able to see the true value of that dog without, and that's kind of what I was getting at a few minutes ago when we were talking. Uh, you know, having that trained eye to be able to see a potential candidate that could work out for you, you know, being able to evaluate, being able to, um, have the patience and the, the understanding that this dog's good, but he's not, he's a really nice dog, but he's not going to work out this dog over here, he's ugly and I don't like him and I'm sending him down the road. Cause I know I'm never going to give him a chance. How, do you know, is that just a thing that takes time you
0: think? Time and distance, man, time and distance. And I think, um, I think that, um, it's not an equal linear for each person. Some people can just see the picture a little bit quicker. Maybe they Mm -hmm. need, you know, a little less time and they get to that, that place sooner, others may take longer, like everything in life, but, um, no, you absolutely couldn't pick up a couple of handbooks, grab yourself some collars and a, and a truck and be able to go out and do that. And I don't mean to say that out of any, um, um, you know, I'm not patting myself on the shoulder at all. I and mean, it's just, it's the reality of it is that it takes, takes a lot of time, and mm-hmm. a lot of miles traveled but you've had to have hunted many, many dogs in many different situations and really, really know your game to be able to, to be able to do it. And again, it's not like any special testament to myself. It's just, that is how it is.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: we all had a first day sometime, you know, we were all newbies at one time. If you had some advice for a young starting houndsman, if you could have one that was under your tutelage and mentor that houndsman, What's some key things that you would tell that that young person starting out?
0: You need to have time. Unfortunately, that's not a thing that you can do, you know, and reach a level of expertise if you're just not spending a lot of time in the in the wilderness. So you gotta you gotta identify early enough How passionate are you about sleeping under a tree in the middle of the day when you're fatigued? How passionate are you about having to carry dogs out of the bush? How passionate are you about being able to overcome all the difficulties Mm -hmm. instead of just the joys? Because the reality of this is that actually we spend about 90% of our time or more doing non you know immediate target immediate return tasks that's a lot right of this is a lot of this is actually prepping for that 30 minutes one hour of joy or fun two hours three hours maybe but you could spend a week building up to that one hour now are you enjoying that week as much as or Are you enjoying it satisfactorily? Mm -hmm. That that one hour, or is that one hour of joy that a stimulating for you that you prepared to sleep next to a fire without a without a a sleeping bag for a week or something? You know what I mean? I'm just
2: right. Yeah. You know. Well, I think it's a a
0: rough example.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's uh, if you if you're just looking for that culmination of walking into a tree and seeing your game or uh, or i i was we've talked about this before but like pulling the trigger you know taking a bear taking a leopard taking a, a coon if if you're if you're just in that mindset then you're probably better off letting somebody else keep the dogs and you just go when you don't want to go to the football game when you don't want to go out with your buddies when you don't want to When you don't want to hang out, you know, do whatever, because the rest of the time it's not sexy. It's not, it's, it's not fun. It's work. And every successful houndsman that I know has never shied away from the work part of it, the little things, the things that never get noticed, uh, you know, snapping a picture of a bear in a tree or a cat in a tree is the easiest part of the entire process that's the easy part we haven't even talked about getting what it takes to get to that tree just physically that day we haven't talked about the weeks and months and years of preparation to hone your skills as a houndsman uh we haven't talked about you know cleaning up dog kennels and dog crap and you know and that sort of stuff we haven't even talked about that yet but we just want to be insta famous with these big, sexy pictures that go viral on social media. And that's a long time coming. Those moments are brief and fleeting. Yes. But to get back there, to get back there, to be able to do that consistently takes that dedication and hard work. And we've got to have drive ourselves as a houndsman in order to be able to do that.
0: That's exactly right. And, um, and it's not any different for anybody else i mean i've hunted with um, houndsmen and dogmen from different parts of the world and it's the same thing you got to enjoy shoveling shit
2: you got that right
1: <laughs> and, and more than one way you know not just yes. physically but but exactly. metaphorically the same you've got to shovel a lot of shit to get there that's right that's exactly right man so That's for anybody exact. who
0: wants to get into it, I think they just need to identify in themselves. Um, are you happy with the day in and the day out of this gig? And, and, and if not, if you do just want, as you say, trigger time or well, contribute to somebody else, go help sure. them out one day, one day a month or, or, or just send them some money or what, you know, you know, you can engage in being part of a greater crew. And have some kind of um ownership, some personal ownership and investment, but not have to <laughs> carry the bucket around all the time.
1: That's know? right. That's right. You know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I keep
0: uh,
1: in the, the group that I hunt with over in Virginia for Bear, uh, we've got a guy that his name's Clater. And Clater doesn't own a hound, but he's on the mountain every day. He's there to pick guys up. He's there to, uh, walk into trees. He's there to, you know, do he's a utility man. He's there to guide people and make sure that people have radio communications. I call him the MVP of the team because he he's willing to do whatever he needs to do to make sure that the entire group is successful that day. And that's such a yep. valuable thing. He's, he's not like me out there trying to. Have the hound that catches the bear and letting his ego, he's just there to have have fun and contribute. So that's one thought that comes to mind. There's nothing those guys are so daggone valuable to have in in a uh your circle that you're hunting with. The other thing is I've people ask me all the time. I get a lot of correspondence. It's like, man, how do I get into hound hunting? It sounds like a blast. And I tell them. Go buy yourself a pair of boots and a dog leash and show up at the local houndsman's house and say, I don't have a dog. I want to learn. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. And if that means me walking in and catching dogs or whatever, you know, go at it from that angle to find out before you make the investment that it's not for you before you run a lot of good prospects before. Uh, you spend a lot of your hard earned grocery money on dog food and, and Garmin and, and all that other stuff that goes with it. You know, Mm. a dog leash is a cheap investment and I'd be glad to have, have somebody riding around with me that didn't want to do anything, but, but run up and down mountainsides and catch, catch crazy deer running dogs.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, that's, um, that's an easy routine or that's a, that's a feasible routine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I want to talk, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about, you know, we talked about what you're looking for initially to put a a pack together, but where you're hunting in Africa and what you're hunting leopard are unique. And I want to try to find some, some key features that you're looking for in a successful hound for doing those jobs. And, uh, maybe find some, some differences or some similarities and some learning points for all of us. So what are we looking for when, when you're going out and you're, you've you've found the dogs that you like, they've got the drive, they've got the personalities, you can stand to look at them. You don't mind having them seen on your truck. So, uh, now you're out there and, and you're what kind of traits are you looking for? to make a successful dog because you did say that you want them all to be able to do them do it on their own however i would only imagine that that doesn't mean they all do it the same way
0: exactly right um so we we break down or at least i break down the hunt into different into different stages so that the first stage will be us identifying the track and determining that this is what we want to hunt. You know? And mm-hmm. that may be from a track we discover on the road. It may be from a bait that's been hit and, and we have to use baits in some areas cause they're just on roads. Um, but so the first stage will be that. And at that point, I need to have dogs that are gonna be able to take the scent and follow it in the right direction and keep moving it without any fear of obstacle, obstruction, um, challenge that they have to, if it means go track to track to track, they have to be able to start that track and move it at a speed that is at a curve greater than the scent loss. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's no equation that that we can go out and and take data points and say well the scent loss will be x today right we need to be moving at this point it's just there's none of that so it just has to be that you know, some days scent is fantastic it hangs around for a long time other days it's fleeting it but they just have to at least put in an excellent effort every single time you put them down i have to have great confidence that that there's a high probability that should the environment provide the right playing ground for them, they will catch up to that animal. So mm-hmm. the first point is knowing that we have all the pack or most of the pack able to do that. And they can do it sort of at greater strengths and weaknesses. Some are just tuned into tracking very well. Others hang around it, but they would they want to get to the warmer part of that scent they might identify it's there but they don't have the patience the desire whatever it is they can probably smell it's there they can smell it's there Mm -hmm. but they just don't have that gearing in them that they want to go track to track to track so um some of that is age but a lot of that is also personality a lot of that is just the way that the wires are connected in the brain um so we need to have that we need to have dogs that are are going to start and move that track very honestly in the correct direction so the babbler in that sense we leash him and we keep him as far away from that deal as possible hey, exactly we, we grab some of that duct tape and we wrap it around his mouth and you better be able to believe, breathe from the other end because we're taping <laughs> up the front end <laughs> but um the uh the uh uh the so that's fundamental. You don't have you don't have a hunt unless you can start it accurately and properly and well. Mm-hmm. And um a part of that is also knowing what's happening before you put the dogs down. So especially in areas where where, where you're gonna be baiting a cat, the, the leopard can come in several times in and out before you actually get to the point where you can put the dogs down. So you need to first have a look around the environment and see if you can determine which is the freshest exiting route. You know? so, so there's a lot of a lot of um, a lot of work that you need to do. Uh,
1: is that a perishable yeah. skill? Is that a perishable skill, Gavin? I, you said it was over two years since you were back in Africa looking at tracks. Did it take you a little bit of time to get things no. tuned back in?
0: no no not at all hey, it's interesting but i think i have you know i, I was still fooling around here in australia at the same time so mm-hmm. i think once you've once you've become a tracker you walk with your head down yeah. always on the beach you walk on the beach and you
1: looking at yeah, crab it's, tracks it's, it's,
0: exactly it's just it's an interesting thing so once that's part of your once you've done it that much that that there's a subconscious draw to to reading the earth. It's, it's it, no, I didn't find that that there was any gap at all. I didn't find like I had to relearn how to pedal that bicycle. It was just yeah. to get on and go. Um, and yes, look, we do have the, the the we we do have the benefit that we always have um, uh, more experienced and more um, superior trackers. To us around mm-hmm. us all the time. Sure. You know, a lot of sure. a lot of the the native guys there, that is their only skill, and it's their only value to the the rest of the world in their life. That is their only value. Um they're not plumbers, they're not accountants, right? They're not um truck drivers, they're not um entrepreneurs. The trackers that's what they do and that's all that they do and that's the only way for them to be able to receive a reward from the greater uh economy yeah you know? so cool. so um so we do have the, the 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 value of being able to draw on those cars as well so.
1: yeah yeah so getting back to the dogs i didn't mean to derail that there uh it's just something that popped up and you'll you know me well enough to know that i can jump off on those rabbit tracks occasionally and uh but okay you got the dog that's that can keep moving the the track forward he's he's moving it in the right direction and he's moving it in a way that is faster than the scent can disappear from the track you know we've got that covered what else are you looking and for
0: we want to have more than one mm-hmm. need to have more than one you, you want the majority
1: of your pack plastic. you want your majority of your pack to be that way
0: Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Yep. All right, and then from there, um, once the scent starts to move, and the nose on a hound is so incredible that once once that scent is fairly available, it's like a white stripe down the centre of a bitumen road. Now, uh, if we if we walking down a tar road on a on a main road, and uh, it's a black top with a white stripe. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how I think it, it is for the hounds. Once once that scent is, is available, is very available, then they just, it's, I don't think it's complicated for them. There will be places where they will get complication. Um, the terrain um, impacts from the environment can change that picture slightly, but generally they move that very well. So, the only time there that we that that we that we um, handling it or assessing it is whether there's a dog that that so much wants to be the leader that he will lie, that he would pull off in a different direction and still be open on track or open off track mm-hmm. is a better way of saying it but he's so determined to be to be dominant and lead that he's prepared to do that. So we have to be aware that we don't have that. And if we do, that's a disqualifying.
1: You need to have it. You need to put a dog like that in politics. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of people like that in this world. Get off the track yeah. and start lying just so they can be in the lead. Yeah.
0: So that's the only real area that we have to um uh, manage in that sense is make sure we have no politicians in the back and (laughs) and then uh, and then it gets to the point where we now are looking for another whole important set of 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 traits and that's the bay up and the tree and the bay up is courage is what you guys say, grit, so right. we don't want dogs running away then. Mm-hmm. And if the dog does run away, what are his other traits? Are they sufficient that we can tolerate him leaving the fight? Right. And they may be, um, you don't necessarily have to disqualify the dog entirely. There, you just right. have to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we're not hunting if you're hunting just one dog different but um you know we 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 pack hunters so if you drop one that's okay it's not going to affect it greatly if you drop three you're now at a disadvantage because our our um advantage over the leopard is we're bluffing Mm -hmm. highly bluffing that leopard can um, destroy all eight of those dogs in a very short space of time and they don't have any physical match for his um strength his tools um fang and claw
2: his speed
0: uh, speed his aggressiveness is his his world is is he's a killer his world is is he's killing. if not every day maybe more than once every day Mm -hmm. so so he's um he's 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 on the top of his game he's a top top killer so is a so, so is a
1: leopard a leopard would you classify you've had a mountain lion in the United States, correct? I have. And how would you compare a mountain lion at a bay up compared to a leopard at a bay up?
0: Unfortunately, I've never been in a position where I have um uh, been at a bay up with a mountain lion. So I can't okay. speak from 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 first hand experience there um so i don't know i can i can i can repeat sort of what's been told to me i can repeat what i've seen in video and that but i don't know that i can answer it you know from first-hand experience at least but um but but the traits of a leopard is is not uniform you know it's not this generic thing where every leopard uh, reacts in the exact same way Mm -hmm. but every one of them including the females even the sub adults have the ability and have the the gearing inside of them they have the programming inside of them to be able to come charging out and inflict you know, cuts, bruises, scratches and punctures right in everybody and anybody and, right. and 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 the bigger the cat gets the more damaging it's going to be mm-hmm. but it's going to if you would think of a house cat, if you were to put a um, put a a, a a wild feral cat in a sack hmm, and you went to the state fair, how many people would you get to put their hand in that sack? Open it up and say, "Yeah, we we'll go, put your hand in the sack. Right. How many takers are you going to get? <laughs> <laughs> right. So just think of that, um, you know, even in a sub-adult leopard that may weigh uh, 80 pounds mm-hmm. it's still a big house cat that's going to scratch you and put holes yeah. in you in that so there's this um there's this the uh you know there's awareness of that and when you get to a big 160 170 pound leopard it's it's a it's a very different thing now you can't be afraid of that it's not that you must fear that you can't go in fearing that because then you need to be hunting. You know doves or pigeons or something you know or, or, mm-hmm. or shoot antelope from 150 meters but um it's just an awareness that um that it's very different than than a lot of other guys and right. that, you know they can do that to hound and man
1: for sure i'm just i'm just trying to i've heard the tales I've you know we've talked to people that hunt jaguar down in central america and they're definitely a lot more rough A lot of houndsmen tell me that, um, I've just had, I've had really good experienced houndsmen that I know with good, good dogs say, I would not turn my dogs loose on Jaguar. They will wreck your pack. And I'm wondering if, if leopard leopard had got to be right there. I mean, I, I would say they probably make Jaguars look like little pussy cats at times.
0: I don't, I don't know that either. I think that jaguar is probably, probably, uh, probably a leopard with a little bit of size to it. You know, He's Yeah, a greater size. But again, you know, that's also. I've only, I've only read books and.
1: and Me too. You know, I'm, but I'm old, gonna, I am but I'm, I got to find out. When you're talking about the courage, and you, you hit on a key thing there, and I'm going to tell myself a little bit here. I, sus, I, I'm fairly certain. Um, I've got a dog here that does not like he, he has so many great features to him. He's fast. He's a hard going hound. He's got a good nose. He's an honest strike dog. He's a good track dog. He can actually, he can actually drag the rest of the pack with him on a running bear. But when the bear stops on the ground in thick brush, he checks out. And he doesn't, the thing that concerns me is hunting young dogs with him. You know, I've got other dogs that will stay and stay in the, stay in the fight. And the, they seem to be, uh, the younger dogs seem to be sticking with it too, but it always concerns me. And I've even thought about getting rid of him, but I, just like you said, I look at the overall picture of what he can do and what he does do. As long as that bear is running, it's not going to get away and he can mm-hmm. bring the rest of the pack to the bay up and then put that bear up a tree.
2: Yeah.
1: So at what point do you sit there and say, ah, he's, you know, he w- that's one thing he won't do, he won't stay with a mean
0: bear. So
1: I'm going to get rid of him. It's hard. That's a hard decision to make.
0: It is, but, uh, but, but the on saying that is answer in that is at what at what level of refinement do you want your pack to be Mm -hmm. and how much time and how deeply invested in it are you that's your answer your answer is if you want to bring that pack you know the chris powell pack of dogs if you want to bring that to the highest level that you can possibly attain you will not keep that dog any longer at some point right but if you want to be able to go out every weekend and catch bears and whatever you might be after it, you you'll keep that dog for the rest of his life mm-hmm. because he has he has a slot that is filling in your back right now and the only way is replace him with something that's going to do it equally or better. Mm-hmm. So so the answer is 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 perfection. You know? Right. Perfection. And
2: but it can't be that one.
1: that can't perfection be achieved. Perfection perfection no. can't be achieved.
0: No, but but the answer to your question is could you get closer to it by replacing him with a dog that does the same thing with courage?
1: I agree. 100% yeah Yeah. I I just so, think it's but, it's yo, it's been
0: it's really just very good what's that no go ahead sorry
1: no yeah you, I you're the we're here to talk to you not me I'm just trying to work through some of my own own weaknesses here and get some therapy from Gavin Lippius uh, <laughs> I know it's there and I think it's just one of those deals that Uh, you know, you look at the entire picture and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And if I was in your position of having to have dogs that perform nonstop, because what happens when, what happens when he's the most experienced dog in the pack and my, my, because my other courageous dogs are injured or something like that, I'm out of the game. I'm not catching anything. I think it's just an honest no, I mean, conversation potential. we need to have potential. about ourselves with potential. ourselves at times.
0: There we go. That's exactly what I was going to say a little earlier. It's just honest self-evaluation. Yep. It's just it's uh where, what do I want from this um w- w- you know what is what is the standard I want to set for myself? Well, I mean just it's just knowing where you are and, and and what you want how how high on the ladder do you want to stand? because right. it is, you know, in everything, you know, the better it, and the better and the better you can do it, the higher, you know, goals you're going to achieve.
1: I think if I was living in the heart of, of bear country where, you know, in my stage in life, I could be out there. If I was going to be out there every day and I'm not satisfied with, with where my dogs are as a, as hunting dogs, even, even today, um, as, as big game hounds, because I don't have the availability, I've got to travel and, and some would say, well, you, you know, and I've even told myself this, I would be, sometimes I feel like I would be better off of just going and hunting a few days with, with Heath in Virginia, um, you know, going to West Virginia, going up to Wisconsin and and going with friends rather than me keeping my own dogs here um to try to accomplish that but at the same time it's hard for me to go when i don't have a dog in the hunt you know and
0: it is yeah i it's close on impossible if you are you know if if you're a houndsman and you have that whole other aspect of the connection to the dog and you you need to have to go fishing you need to have your own fishing rod in your hand i agree it's difficult to sit on the boat and not have a fishing rod you still
1: perfect analogy
0: surrounded by it but you just nothing's gonna bite on your line. so yeah it's um yeah it's difficult not to have the dogs
1: yep yep for sure I, it's just it's one of those things that i've got some you know i've got some dogs that i'm really happy with and uh things like that but but uh leopard dogs Is there anything that you think is special about them? Is there anything that, that you look or you read, or you hear, uh, from other people and think, well, you know, that there's something that sets a leopard dog apart from a lion dog or a bear dog or a hog dog or whatever it is. Is there something there? This one is hot off the press folks. Literally it's a print magazine. Designed for Houndsman. It's the original tree dog publication. Full Cry will be back in circulation in October. I can't wait. I grew up on Full Cry Magazine. I used to take those issues and scour through every page. And the photos of houndsmen doing hound dog stuff was just epic. I mean, it molded me and shaped me as a Houndsman from a young age. You can get your subscription to Full Cry Magazine when you join us on Patreon. That is going to be a benefit that we are going to offer to all of our Patreon supporters in collaboration with Full Cry Magazine. So you can join us on Patreon by going to houndsmanxp.com clicking on the support us tab and it will take you straight to our patreon page that also includes tailgate talks which are like many podcasts every week that that Seth is pumping out there there's articles there's videos there's uh benefits for the sportsman's alliance there's tons of discount codes for all of our vendors you can check it all out at houndsmanxp.com
0: it, There is, but i don't i don't think in terms of any sort of superiority or anything it's not saying like this is this whole other kind of you know thing and and it, and it supersedes the hounds that chase the other game. right it's just um there's just some unique traits to that hunt and to the game that we're pursuing that is best filled by you know a broad or well not that broad By by a specific set of hound traits or characteristics Mm -hmm. personalities um i understand it because the the smell of a leopard is is like an addictive smell even myself i it's it's interesting it the smell of it is this musky musky sweet ah it's a Spicy kind of smell.
1: I wish people it's could see your face when. I wish people could <laughs> see your face when you're describing this. I mean, your whole face changed when you started describing it. I could see the the inner beast of Gavin coming out and the romanticism of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's such an interesting smell. I understand completely their the desire to want to continuously pursue it. Now. And um, and when you get that cat cornered and, and bait up the noise he makes, you know, he, he swears at you. He tells you come any closer and this is what I'm going to do. And this is the order I'm going to do it. In. Oh.
2: And,
0: um, and, and that sound, that sound is, is addictive as well. It's, it's entirely addictive. And I think what are some the of the reactions? I got to ask
1: all you adrenaline this adrenaline
0: junkies. They are just adrenaline junkies.
1: Yeah what are some of the reactions from hunters that come to camp and they hear that they, you know, they hear the bay up or they, what are their reactions when they hear that?
0: Some of them, you know, even if they don't see the leopard, some of them saying that's something that's going to stay with me forever. That's a sound that's going to stay with me forever. Um, Look, you can go on a, on a, on a game drive and you can go park up near the lions and you can hear the lions roaring. Um, but you're in this removed situation. You're in this um, cotton wool situation where that lion's not really, you know, talking right. to you directly. Yeah. But but when you when you are the aggressor, you know, or at least part of the crew that's the aggressor, and your quarry is talking to you and telling you, beware. It's a very interesting interesting scenario yeah
1: have you seen have you seen hunters become fearful
0: um yeah plenty i mean i've seen i've seen a range of emotions yeah right fearful um there's
1: i think anybody that's never heard it that
0: scouts that come up with a hundred different excuses when they are they are, are are employed by the state to be in a situation where they can continuously observe that the representatives of the state we have to have game scouts with us almost in every scenario we hunt in in mozambique oh, okay but they're the state representative those guys they're holding an ak-47 and they won't come within the kilometer of the leopard <laughs> <laughs> you know, taste fearful yes that's a very common thing um and a variety of other emotions yeah i've seen men cry um there's a lot of a, lo- it's a yeah it's quite a it's like a yeah it's a very um primal uh, um set of emotions
1: I in, yeah in that it's just one of those you know every everybody is fearful at some point of their life you know courage Courage is defined as being able to perform in the face of fear. That's right. And, and so it's nothing, there's nothing dishonorable about being fearful. I'm just curious, you know, I can only imagine what it would be like to, to be walking in there and hear this deep roar, knowing that I'm not protected by the, you know, the tour bus windows. Uh, this leopard come busting out of the bush that's totally capable of of, you know just walking through a pack of hounds like it's nothing to to take your head off yep yeah amazing
0: and that's why hunting leopard with hounds is is in my opinion the only real honest method a true sporting method of hunting leopard to to snap shoot them from a distance on a bait is is like sitting in the two of us it's mm-hmm. just, yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: well interesting stuff gavin what else do what we forget anything i know we we could talk for so, hours so the-
0: so the other portion that we're looking for then is also then the treeing ability. You know, oh there you is, go. Um, yeah, this is something that's that now is is um equally as important. Um and I think locating where the leopard in is almost more important than than just sitting at a tree
1: how tall are the um, how tall are the trees let's get a visual picture here if a leopard goes up a tree in africa where you're hunting will the hounds be able to see it or would that be mostly scent work because it's high enough that he can he can secret himself and hide in a tree
0: in most cases they can see in most cases okay um in some areas like on the on the coast where we hunt those um those big timber coastal forests, there there they cannot see the leopard. In fact, it can move along the canopy up top. It can go from tree to tree. It's that dense in some areas. Not all, but in some areas, it's that dense. that The leopard can walk along the canopy and disappear down a tree, you know, 100 yards away. Um, But generally, they... um, they 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 can see the leopard in the tree and generally they will see the leopard going up the tree as well. Mm-hmm. It's not as if that leopard um outpaces the hounds for a few hundred yards and climbs a tree and then they only catch up to that scent at the base of the tree. Okay. Very regularly. They are right behind the cat when it decides to tree. So so it does make it simpler for that, but not in every case.
2: But. Right.
1: Right. So it's not like a bobcat or a raccoon that that, you know, he's got some distance on the dogs and he's like, well, this is close enough. I'm what you know, the flight the fight or flight button goes off and he chooses flight and climbs a tree well ahead of the dogs. It's not like in that. my
0: experience, I've never seen that. Um it maybe some other people may be able to uh, uh have testimony for that but no i've only ever noticed that the leopard will want you know those hounds will be pretty much on his ass and going up the tree is just the smartest move why waste time why risk anything sure um they they so they so um confident in their in their camouflage and in their, their 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 um elusiveness that They don't believe that anything's going to discover them almost. Right. I think it's a shock to them that these hounds are right. You know, how did they find me? Uh Uh-huh. You know, I'm giving human traits to something that's not human, but this is just a a way to sort of communicate it. Um, but yes, they, uh, they will wait for the hounds to be right on top of them before they Mm -hmm. climb a tree, go into a cave.
1: So what, what traits are you looking for in a tree dog? Cause I think most of us would just assume, well, you know, if my boxer sees something that it wants go up a tree, then it's going to be, it's going to be there. It's going to, it's going to be a tree dog. So what is it about, um, uh, you know, tree and a leopard that makes you add their ability to their tree ability to be a valuable part of, of leopard hunting?
0: So not all hounds will have that switch. Not all hounds will, 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 you know, they might not, they might've come in third or fourth in line mm-hmm. the cats are ready up the tree and, and the first two sword go up the tree. And the one that arrives third, which is, you know, not far behind, didn't get that picture and they will then keep searching that area. They will just, for them. It's, uh, it's communicating a loss. Okay, so we've got a loss. Let's pick up the scent again. We because you know, right. Losses are happening all the time. So where's that scent? Where's that scent? And then they start looking and looking and they'll go across that back track or the track coming in and they'll know that they've already tracked that. And they'll look further and further and they'll come back and they'll know they've already tracked it and look. And then eventually they'll say, oh, this is the only thing I've got. So I'm going with this. <laughs> right. And then right. They'll, they'll, they'll they'll go. and and go in the wrong direction go on the backtrack that they came in on just because of drive just because there's so much desire to be hunting they're so addicted to it that the state of not hunting is intolerable they have to be in the state of hunting to be to be happy in their bodies you know to be comfortable every time they don't have that scent in their nose they the the only thought is when am i going to get it next
1: right well it's like it's like a beagle you know a beagle is never going to be a great tree dog because they're a, they're a trail trailing type dog they love to run tracks um obviously there are beagles out there that will tree and like the Dwyers are putting beagle in their lion pack um but they're not known genetically to be these great tree dogs so that's kind of what i was trying to get at what's the value of of having that treeing ability in there because like you said sometimes sometimes you get to the tree and then dogs are like okay well that was fun let's go ahead and run the backtrack because i've got to be tracking something
0: yeah yeah so they're doing it out of all honesty and integrity they 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 just believe it's a loss they're looking for that track they're looking for it again the rest of the pack is not but they don't need to be following everyone else. Right. Each dog does need to have its own individuality. So um, the, the other factor that 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 treeing switch, the treeing wiring, that programming, is that also if it goes in a cave, then they understand that to stay here. Mm-hmm. They understand that there's an end point to this yes. where they're not going to see the animal. And, and that's what that treeing sense is, is that treeing, that treeing programming is that you can come to an end of a track. That's not going to be a loss, but is also not going to be a visual reward, but the game is there. You just have to wait here.
1: Right. Right. Well, as a coon hunter and our coon hunting, audience will appreciate this, you know, we want dogs to stay treed we want dogs right there they don't need to be 15 yards off the tree we want them at the tree we want them zoned in and them have the intelligence to know that this is where it ends and this is where i need to stay competition hunts uh have really honed that where you know you get awarded minus points for dogs leaving the tree i also think it's a it's a that's one of the traits that i just simply can't tolerate if i can't break a dog from running back tracks or we call it, uh, um, you know, being loose tree dogs, milling around at the tree, then that can cause a lot of problems in your pack too. You know, if you've got a if you've got a, a pack of dogs that won't stay treed, you're never going to have dogs that'll stay treed. You can't train young dogs with them. You can't do anything with that, with dogs like that. You've got to have dogs that have the understanding that this is where it ends. This is where I need to be. And this is where I'm staying. Is it yeah. similar in le- It's gotta be similar for leopard, honey.
0: It is, except there's one portion of that, 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 um, training the young dogs, yes, they're very impressionable, mm-hmm. but I would still want young dogs show individuality uh i still wouldn't want a young dog just to be running around and when i say young i don't mean 12 months you know, i mean like two years right i wouldn't want a young dog at that point to be that influenced by by others
1: 100 uh, percent. yeah you want them to you want them uh, to have
0: I wouldn't be training a little pup in in that scenario anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. You don't want a dog that's just always the follower, always the cover dog or always the pack dog. You know, you want that dog that if he's not sure that it's there, he swings out and he finds the exit track and then he pulls the rest of the pack with him. If they're thinking that the, you, I love those types of dogs too. You know, it's not like, okay, one dog barked up. We're all barking up and slick tree in uh yeah. on whatever it is you know i, I i'm 100 percent with you there i just i'm talking about dogs that if you don't have any dogs that will stay treed then you got a mess on your hands
0: yeah yeah, yeah. no then you don't have yeah then you, then you're okay if you use those dogs on hunting hogs or something else but you you can't can't own cats with that
1: right you need to have right.
0: they must understand it's coming to an end
1: sure you bet what else? What else we got? What other important
0: um there's there's other, you know, bad traits that can happen. There's dogs that get very aggressive around the kill and they want ownership of it and that and and you gotta work around with that. I don't I don't want that in the pack because if if I'm not immediately there then they get into a fight around the base of the tree or the kill or whatever. Right. And, those things those things can be a problem mm-hmm. and even a two-year-old dog that's quite individual or, or, or quite independent if you have one of the one of the you know the the, the, the anchor dogs attacking him when he's at the tree he's there mm-hmm. and going to have a negative association with it so yes yeah. um those kind of things those can be pretty disqualifying um You can manage that now. You wouldn't have been able to manage that without the the track and train collars, but you can manage that now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to do that this past season. We have one dog that that is very aggressive and he he doesn't growl. He sort of goes from zero to in full fight, you know, the flip of a switch and nobody knows what's going to flip him. But he's also pretty pretty courageous and sturdy and stable sure. and we keep him in the pack for that. Well, I have kept him in the pack this year for that, but, um, I would, I would drop that, that's a dog I would drop straight away, you know, if I can replace him and I may replace him next year, I'll drop him because you don't want, you, you want to have confidence that remotely they're doing it right. Um, mm-hmm. and you only release them at the point where you know, that they are competent to do that particular job for that particular time. Yeah. So, um, so there are certain like fundamental disqualifying, disqualifying traits.
1: Yeah. I've got some friends that have a really nice, they catch a lot of game. Uh, they won't hunt with other people because they've got one dog that they just, they describe him as being an asshole, you know, but the rest of their pack understands the dynamic there so it's not a problem but uh most of the time but he's also one of their best dogs and you know i'm asking him i'm like well how can you keep a dog like that it's like man he's such a great dog in so many areas that the rest of the dogs just need to understand to give him space so you know it's it's not for everybody it's but i don't think there's any one thing any one single trait when we're evaluating these hounds, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna call dogs based on a flaw in one area, then there aren't gonna many, be many dogs out there being hunted by anybody. You know what I mean? They're, we yeah. can always find, we can always find the fault. We just have to evaluate the whole package and find out if we can live yes. with the fault and if it's, if it's something we can live with, can we tolerate it, you know, type thing.
0: Yeah. And how to use it, you know, how to use that yeah. spanner the size yeah. 13, don't try to put it onto a 17. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think again, to, when you're refining, when you're really, really refining that back when you get to a point where it really is just a matter of excluding faults and replacing them with the same package that doesn't have that fault. Sure. Um, and yes, that's not, that's just, That's, um, I don't think that that point exists. You never would, nobody would ever get to it eventually, but the the closer you get to it.
1: Exactly. It's just uh, like, it's just like my dog
0: on the ladder.
1: You are sure. Just like you were describing, you know, we were talking about my, the dog that I've got, you know, there's another dog out there that can do the same job that he does. That's not a coward. There's another dog out there that can do the same job that, that your, your aggressive dog does without being, being an asshole with exactly. a kill cider at a tree. Exactly. So interesting, man. So let me, let me ask you this real quick. You know, um, so you get to a leopard tree that the leopard is, is up are you guys leashing dogs do you carry leashes with you and leash everything back when before the cat is shot
0: no never um we carry leashes with us for when the cat is shot and we want to get some trophy pictures or we have to be able to leash a dog and, and carry you know move him out of the bush because a lot of ours have you know so much drive that if they treed and there's nothing in the tree, for instance, you no, know, they they, they, they treed and a the leopard got away. We need to move them and and put them onto the track somewhere else. We have to literally leash those dogs and move them somewhere else because they are so locked into what they're doing. So we have leashes for other reasons, but uh-huh. no, we cannot leash dogs around a tree. Um repetitively. You can do it every now and then, um, an error, that uh, cross track, put a female up by accident. Um, you can then sneak in very carefully, patiently, quietly and, and pull the dogs off bit by bit and make use of the the you know the tone function on the, the collars as well. But no, we do not leash when there's, you know, the, the target animal, the target cat is in the tree. We just leave the dogs there if you were to try sneak in there you might get away with it once in a while but generally you're now entering that fight flood zone and apart from the resulting injuries it's also going and to mess up the hunt you know because right i have to start caring for somebody that's full of holes instead of skinning <laughs> a leopard. So. uh
1: yeah i was curious about that that's a Cause it's common around here, it's, you know, you obviously with, coon, you know, raccoon hunting, uh, you know, there's no danger of, of the raccoon jumping out and you wearing a raccoon hat, you know, uh, we do it with bear. We, we walk in there and we'll leash dogs, but it, I think a bear is more passive. Um, we've done it on mountain lion and things like that, but, but yeah, I, that would be a nerve wracking thing to, uh, You know, walk under a leopard, ah, man, 10 feet over your head and start trying to catch dogs. That would be dangerous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the other end of the danger is that if the shot is not great and the leopard comes out um, injured and not dead, then the dogs pay the price for that. And that's, you know, that's um, something we try and avoid all the time. So shot placement is is important, but also often have the ability to take a little bit of time there, make sure that that everything is lined up nicely before the trigger is pulled. Mm -hmm. Um, Not always the case. And on a bait cat, it's almost never the case, but on a bait cat, you know, the dogs already in that danger zone. So the quicker we can bring this to an end, the better.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, how did the season go? I think that's what we were originally going to talk about. And then we started talking about, you know, hound behaviors and, and houndsman stuff. And I think, um, what a lot of people would hear is like to hear is how the season went, you know, how many cats you caught, you know, just give us a recap of, of how your, your first season back in the bush went.
0: Well, in terms of, of every hunter having an opportunity to shoot a leopard, we were at a hundred percent success rate for the season. So mm-hmm. every hunter had a leopard in his crosses and, uh, either pulled the trigger and killed it, pulled the trigger and missed it or pulled the trigger and wounded it. Yeah. But, um, every, every hunter had the ability to, to take a cat. Um, so we didn't get every cat in the salt, but, um, every hunter that came out on the leopard with us this year. Um, and a leopard in front of them. Great. Um, yeah, we, we caught, we caught numerous cats this year. We caught many, um, and we, we caught a few youngsters and we caught a, a female and, uh, we caught some nice toms and we caught some smaller toms. And, you know, some will make our trophy pictures and some won't make our trophy pictures and that, and, um. You know it would be nice to be able to say "Shit," you know of the six uh 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 trophy leopard trophy hunts that we did this year everyone was 150 pounds or greater and that's not the reality right um that is something that that we don't always have influence over as well we hunting big open wilderness areas we can go in a space where that 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 we after passed that area two days before we arrived and he never passed again in the next 14 days no so yeah there's just there's just these factors it's real true honest hunting um and and we had that through the season we had it where where, where there just wasn't luck the hunting gods weren't smiling on that particular person for that period the hunting was still fantastic everybody had a great time but the end result of having that nice you know trophy to ship home and and, and mount for the wall didn't happen but we also had hunts where just absolutely everything went right It's just ridiculous you know we had a hunt where we um it took three hours and the guy got his cat three hours wow he, he landed in he landed in uh, in africa he spent a night um in camp the following morning three hours after (laughs) you know into his first leopard hunt he had shot a leopard so and the rest of that hunt just continued that way buffalo sable reed buck uh water buck i forget what else but everything just played out perfectly and and so a lot of it has to do with just you know the hunting gods we put in the same effort regardless all the time. Um but yeah when it when when you're not walking into the wind and it's behind you, it's it's nice. Typically you're walking into the wind. It's, it's sure. hard. To try and leopard is hard. It's um it's not a high, you know, populous animal. There's few. Um and then you're still looking for a individual male um and you'll come across a lot of females and juveniles before you You know, we we had one hunt where we were seeing leopard tracks, you know, pretty much every day. And some days we're seeing three different individual cats, you know, uh, in in tracks, but just Mm -hmm. not the one that, that, you know, that we we could want to take, just not the one that we would. uh, I mean, we put a cat in a tree there, um, could have shot it, but didn't because it was just a little bit smaller. what you know we wanted that hunted to have um so there's it's it's hunting man. it's just hunting
1: are your hunters pretty tolerant of that you know you know i'm sure that you get several guys there cody Lostro went over this past year from the states he's a houndsman from indiana or uh, colorado and um he's a lion hunter he went over and he did a leopard hunt this year so he understood the dynamics behind it's a female it's it's not what we're looking for he understood that but i can imagine that it would be tough to manage people you know when you're driving over leopard tracks and you're trying to explain to them that this is not the leopard that you're looking for are they pretty receptive are they they're like, I just want to take some pictures of a leopard, or I just want to take a leopard back to the United States. I, you know, blah blah blah. How hard is that? Oh,
0: there's an there's an array of backstories to each different in a client. There's an array. Um, there's clients that have been out three or four times to Africa in pursuit of a leopard, and 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 they're putting all their faith and trust in you, and and they'd leave incredibly disappointed without it. Mm -hmm. And then there's others that have been three or four times out to Africa. And just remember, it's a great expense of doing that each and every time, you know, it's right, it sounds it sounds pretty, you know, it's easy to say, but flights and, and all the surrounding costs to that, you know, you're looking at a, probably at least a $40,000 investment each time. Mm So there's guys that have done that three or four times and then they come out, but they still have the good nature that if they don't get it, they're probably going to come back again. It's, it's as long as, as long as everybody's working towards it and, and, and the effort is there. And the commitment is there. Everybody can see that. Right. I think, I think if, if that is absent, then, then yeah, then there's definitely cause for concern and, and, and do you know, there would be complications. Right. But um you, you can work, you can work really hard and still not produce the result that you wanted it to. It's not that effort equals reward in this equation, unfortunately. Effort right. may also equal zero. And you can you can pile as much effort in as you like. There's certain other factors. The cat has to be in that area. The cat sure. has to be there. You can jump up then and say, all right, we've spent seven days here. Let's go try somewhere else. And on day eight, the cat returns into the area. You just left. There's just, there's just so it's, it's, you know, it's there's no yeah. gauge it. The, there's no playbook. You just got to, just got to flow.
1: Yeah. It's out of our control. That's what makes it, that's what makes it mysterious and keeps us going back. It's like building the perfect pack of dogs. You know, we're striving for excellence, knowing that we're never going to achieve perfection.
0: Yes. Yeah, Yeah. you know, the the wonderful thing is, and we say it, we say it repetitively almost every day is is when you climb in that truck, you just we have absolutely no idea what the day holds for us. We don't know what the day, what mystery and adventure. It could happen five minutes out of camp. It could happen five minutes before our return into camp 12 hours later. We have no, we might come across a herd of of elephants, we might come across poachers, we might come across, you know, anything, a five meter python. We might, we have no idea. And, and, and that's the adventure of it. And so the guys that, that understand that and that, um, that are there for that adventure, they wind up having the best time. Oh, yeah. And they I'm may sure. not go home with a skin, but they still go home with a wonderful experience. And, It's easy to say that when you're not fitting the 40 grand bill, (laughs) they're still still looking at, so what tangible do I receive for this investment? But at the same time, the guys that only want to go home with something in hand, irrespective of what the journey was, they, they, even if they have that skin, it's just never going to have the same, um, carry the same weight as 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 value for the experience
1: yeah and I've hunted with I've hunted with plenty of people like that that um yeah. uh, they really wanted nothing to do with the hunt other than pulling the trigger and and then checking out you know getting home yeah. but the people that come for the adventure side of it man they you just find those people that just love to hunt? They love to love the adventure. Yeah. They love every part of it. Uh, no matter what they're doing, they just, they're glass half full type people. They see the world around them. Uh, yeah. and they're not selfish people. You know, they might be there to, to get the adventure and the experience for themselves, but man, we, I've just seen, yeah. seen both types of people. And I always enjoy hunting with people that, that just enjoy the journey joy enjoy the experience
0: yeah absolutely um i mean we had we had such great people out there that fit that bill exactly that they got as much joy handing out candy to the little kids on the side of the road as they would of pulling a trigger on a leopard in a tree almost every single part of the experience to them was glass half full every day joking laughing no time for you know you know let's let's um let's be miserable because we haven't got that mail track this morning you know right all right it didn't happen today it's going to happen tomorrow and um there may be this energy factor that you can that the universe responds to your energy out of (laughs) no i'm not that much of a hocus but um, I can tell you, it's a much more pleasurable place to be than that negative. Ah, it's not happening for me. It's probably not going to happen tomorrow. or, You know, right. I've, I've been in camp now for for a week, and we still haven't seen that kudu. I'm not gonna. I'm never going to get a chance to kill the kudu and all of that. Wow, wow, wow. That's <laughs> um, you know, there's there's no way of knowing that. You don't drive out of camp tomorrow and everything yeah. you dreamed of happens for you that day. There's sure. absolutely no way of, to... so yes, um, yeah, I don't we, like see it. All, we see all of those tops.
1: I don't like to take new people and make it look easy anyway. They don't have the appreciation for all of it. You know, the, the guy that, the guy that kills his leopard three hours into the hunt, did he really get a true appreciation? of all the work that Gavin Lippius had to put in to make that three hours of a perfect hunt possible for him, that they really grasp all of that. Whereas if you take a guy out and, and you punish him a little bit, then he's like, wow, I thought this was yeah. going to be easy. They, they leave with a, a deeper respect and, and especially for us as houndsmen, you know, because we've Absolutely. got. Everybody thinks that all the dogs are doing all the work. It's easy. It's not fair chase. It's not, it's not fair for the animal, blah, blah, blah. And when they just show up and I'm not saying this guy was like that at all, but. I want them to suffer a little bit and feel some of the pressures and see some of the hard work.
0: Well, fortunately in this case, that, that guy who had just that good fortune was not like that at all. He was entirely appreciative and, and, um he's a dog man himself so he understands that he just had a he had a pretty fortunate day and that's that great the chances of repeating that are, are slight and he's probably still got to pay it forward in some work somewhere down the track he's going to he's gonna get he's going to suffer at some point if so he's a dog time, man so he, if
1: he's a dog man he was he was ready for an easy day
0: yeah yeah he he was i think he was a bit of a ka-ching. ka-ching uh think you know yeah counting his lucky stars for for <laughs> yeah
1: for sure well gavin man i appreciate you taking time to get us all caught up uh let's stay in touch and um um uh, we need to follow up on some stuff we we kind of got sidetracked there but it's always you're the kind of houndsman i love talking to because you're so insightful and uh, you you think outside the box and um, you're an investigative thinker. You're a critical thinker, and uh, you got a lot of experience and and knowledge to share with us. And I really appreciate you being willing to do that with with the audience.
0: Man, it's a pleasure to be able to participate, and uh, I'm grateful that these uh, forums and that your podcast exists because being plugged into this greater community is something that that I that I value our church so thank you for for your part chris
1: oh you're welcome and thanks for getting up early i'm not i don't know what time it is in australia right now but i know you're drinking coffee and you looked a little sleepy when we started the podcast so
0: yeah yeah, we had to get to the leopard scent part for me to wake up eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shot of for adrenaline. Sure. for sure
1: all right, folks, thanks for tuning in to the Houndsman XP podcast. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram and every place that you get your podcast. Our website is houndsmanxp.com. And Gavin, where do people find out more information about Panther Trackers? Give us your website. Give, your, give us your socials and stuff so people can stay in touch with what you got going on.
0: Oh, thanks very much. Yes, so Panther Trackers, P-A-N-T-H-E-R trackers t-r-a-c-k-e-r-s punch that into google and everything around that will come up but we found on instagram facebook there's a website um gav lipius g-a-v-l-i-p-j-e-s either of those two handles you'll you'll find us somewhere on the worldwide web
1: you bet you bet well thanks for tuning into the houndsman xp podcast everybody this is fair chase